and welcome to this episode of Fantasy Baseball Picks and Bets presented by Prize Picks on the Mayo Media Network. I am Gary and Thorne, and we are going to be talking about everything you need to know for Wednesday, April 21st, and the six-game featured slate over on DraftKings. That's right. We're not talking about the five-game afternoon slate. We are talking about the six-gamer, which starts at 6.10 Eastern time. So a little bit of a weird Wednesday, getaway day kind of thing going on in baseball on the 21st. But we will break down everything you need to know for that particular slate. But before we get to that, let us talk about prize picks, as we always do right off the hop. I want to remind you guys, maybe for like the last time, I feel like everyone's probably signed up for prize picks at this point. But if you haven't, if you've been living under a rock and you haven't signed up for prize picks, Head over to prizepicks.com, use the promo code MMNMLB, and you will have your first deposit matched up to $100. So go do that, take a look at the slate, and maybe consider a couple of these plays. Uh, I'm going to get things started with Francisco Lindor, under 8.5 fantasy points. At some point, Lindor is going to start hitting. You know he is. He's just too talented. To not, to not produce at all, which is really where he's been all season long. Uh, his Mets career has not gotten off to a very strong start, especially after signing that massive contract. But I, I can't back a number this big. Even though the matchup is good, I mean, Zach Davies is not someone I'm afraid of. He's given up 11 earned runs across his last two starts. So in theory, this is a good spot for the Mets, but the Mets have had a lot of good spots in theory so far this season, and they have not produced. And really, it starts and ends with Francisco Lindor, who through 52 plate appearances so far this season has just one extra base hit. He has one of the lowest qualified isolated powers in all of baseball right now. And the only two guys on prize picks who have higher totals set for tomorrow's slate are Mike, Mike Trout, and Carlos Correa. I mean, this is just a situation where this number is too high for someone who just hasn't been producing. Like, strip away the name Francisco Lindor, and you wouldn't in your wildest dreams think about taking the over 8.5 points uh, for someone who has consistently fallen short of this number. So I'm going to take the under, even against Davies, who, like I said, I don't exactly love on Wednesday's slate. Uh, another play... I like a lot for the 21st is Cole Calhoun over six and a half fantasy points. This number seems pretty low considering just, you know, how well Cole Calhoun has hit the last couple seasons uh, with how much power Cole Calhoun has hit for the past couple seasons. Uh, right now, smaller sample size than most players because he was on the IL to begin the season, but 34 plate appearances has a 114 WRC plus, so slightly above average. And, He's consistently hitting in the two spot in Arizona's order, uh, a lineup that's actually produced far better than I think anyone would have thought to this point in the season. And the big thing with Calhoun is not just the fact that maybe he gets five plate appearances in this game, but Tyler Maley has consistently struggled. Even when he's been good, he's struggled with left-handed bats. Uh, and I think Calhoun can give him some trouble on Wednesday. So Cole Calhoun over six and a half fantasy points. Francisco Lindor, under 8.5 fantasy points. Uh, you just got to show it to me before I'm willing to give you that kind of respect. All right, let's move to DFS. Let's move to DraftKings. Again, six-game featured slate. 
Things kick off at 6.10 Eastern time, so you got to get your lineup set a little bit early. And there's a lot to process, even about a slate this small. It could get smaller. Uh, we've seen a lot of postponements in the last week, so this probably doesn't come as a, too big a surprise uh, to many people. But we've got, I believe last time I checked, an 80% chance of rain around first pitch in Boston for that Blue Jays-Red Sox game on this slate. So maybe they try to push it back a couple hours. They play it late. Who knows? But Boston's been pretty conservative with these postponements so far this season. And of course, these are two teams that play within the same division. There's going to be a lot of time throughout the season for the Jays and the Red Sox to make up this game. So definitely keep a close eye on that one. You're watching this. It's the future. You might know more than I do at this particular moment, but that is a game that, in my assessment of this slate, I've kind of steered clear from. Obviously, if this game plays, uh, Trent Thornton is starting as like an opener for the Jays, and then I think uh, it's uh, Anthony Kay is going to come in in a bulk role. Just, you know, if this game gets going, play your Red Sox. And if, if we find out closer to first pitch that they're going to be willing. There's going to be a window maybe at like 8.30 or 9 o'clock and people get scared off by the fact that this game is like starting in delay or something along those lines. Maybe you get lower ownership than usual uh, for a Red Sox team that right now leads baseball in many offensive categories and uh, has some great bats against lefties in particular like Anthony Kay. So I would play Boston, but that game just might get postponed in the middle of the afternoon. So keep an eye on that. And also Pittsburgh-Detroit is the second game of a doubleheader, so that's only seven innings. So it's a six-game slate that could be like a four-and-a-half game slate. So this is a really weird one on Wednesday, but we kind of like weird slates. Uh, pitching on this particular slate. I already mentioned Tyler Maley. Uh, he's a guy that a lot of people are probably going to gravitate towards. He's been pretty good so far this season. He's got uh, really good numbers. The strikeout stuff has been there. Doesn't often work too deep into games, but still... Uh, one of the highest-priced pitchers on this slate, and that kind of says a lot about this slate. There's not a lot of good pitchers. Um, we've got Corey Kluber, who has been terrible so far this season, is one of the four most expensive pitchers on this slate. So we kind of have to go dumpster diving a little bit on Wednesday. And the three guys who I've kind of zeroed in on, I, I like one a lot more than the other two. I'll say that right now, and we'll start with the one I like. Uh, but let's talk about Michael Walker. Um, coming off an amazing outing against the Yankees. He's probably going to be pretty popular considering uh, how much play and how much buzz he got in that particular outing. Uh, he is $7,200, and the perception on Waka coming in to 2021 was the, the Rays were going to work their Rays magic on him and turn a guy who was you know, a former top prospect, but someone who had been among the worst pitchers in baseball the last two, three, four seasons, suddenly he was going to be you know, a Cy Young candidate. And it didn't look like that was going to be the case through his first two outings of the season. We should say, though, Boston, New York, New York is how he started the season. The Yankees haven't been great, but they're still the Yankees. And uh, clearly the Red Sox have shown the last two weeks what their offense is capable of. So some pretty tough matchups, and this is not a tough matchup by any stretch of the imagination. He gets the Royals, who, across the last 14 days, coming into Tuesday's slate, the Royals had the lowest isolated power in all of baseball, they also had the lowest WOBA in all of baseball at just 266. Uh, it hasn't been great for the Royals. And the nice thing also about the Royals is they tend to thrive in matchups against left-handed pitchers, not right-handed pitchers. We saw this play out Tuesday night when they beat up Rich Hill and got him out of the game after just two innings of work. Uh, 
their isolated power, it's not amazing against lefties, but it's 163 compared to just 133 against right-handed pitching. And the big differentiating factor, they strike out in just 18.8% of their plate appearances against a southpaw. That number jumps up to 26.9% against right-handed pitching. And right now, Michael Waka, very kind of sneakily, putting up some really nice strikeout statistics, uh, some really nice swing and miss, 15.9% swinging strike rate through 15 innings of work, a 2.69 FIP. He's got 20 strikeouts in those 15 innings. And you kind of wonder, okay, what's different? What's a reason I can believe in this? Uh, It seems like the Rays told him to really lean into using that cutter and to stop using his fastball as much. And that cutter usage has jumped all the way up to 37.1%. So there's a little bit of correlation between that and the amount of swinging strikes he's been getting so far this season. So I don't know. I, I, I'm not saying I necessarily trust Michael Waka to be the guy we saw last week every single time he takes the mound, but this is a nice spot against a struggling Royals offense that doesn't have a lot of power. Um, I'm going to take a chance at $7,200. All right, the other two guys in this $7,000 tier that I'm willing to at least take a chance on, uh, I wouldn't want my exposure to be too, too high because they are very volatile. Uh, let's start with David Peterson, $7,100. Another guy coming off an amazing outing, uh, struck out 10 Philadelphia Phillies. It was actually the second straight start he was making against the Phillies, which is kind of makes it even more impressive that he was able to strike out 10 of them and pitch as well as he did. So far this season, 35.7% strikeout rate. Probably not something that's going to sustain itself, but the Cubs have the highest strikeout rate in the National League, so you do have to take note of the ceiling that Peterson provides at 7,100. Then Mitch Keller. Oh, boy. Mitch Keller. Already talking myself into Mitch Keller. Uh, not even three weeks into the baseball season. $7,700 for Mitch Keller. Got absolutely roughed up in his last start, as he is wont to do. The red flag here is Keller's always had an issue with left-handed bats in his career. And Detroit, like their entire team is made up of switch hitters. So he's not going to have the platoon advantage. He's not going to have the split advantage for most of the plate appearances in this game. Still, we do know Keller has strikeout upside. He's shown that throughout his career. Small sample in 2021. He's striking out over a batter per inning so far this season. It's the walks. The walks are the biggest issue. Detroit might be able to help with that. Detroit is a hyper-aggressive team. They have the fifth highest swing rate in all of baseball at 48.8%. They have one of the lowest walk rates in all of baseball. Uh, And they also have the fourth highest strikeout rate in all of baseball. So they are a team that can help a pitcher that maybe can't find the strike zone uh, as often as he'd like to. And that's really the archetype that Mitch Keller fits into. Again, could he blow up in your face? Absolutely. But on a slate like this, where there really isn't all that much high floor pitching, I'm willing to take a chance on a high ceiling guy like Keller for under $8,000. Okay, when it comes to stacks, I already mentioned... uh, Really keep an eye on this Red Sox-Blue Jays game. Um, they're probably... I mean, Rafael Devers and um, Alex Verdugo got the day off on Tuesday when facing Hunjin Ryu, the lefty. Even though Anthony Kay is going to be the bulk guy in this game, there's a pretty good chance that both those guys are back in the lineup. So I like Verdugo a lot at 4-1. Uh, then obviously you've got guys like you know Kike Hernandez at 3-9. Like you, you can find value among the obvious candidates in that Boston lineup. Uh, let's talk about the Braves for a second. Again, I just I don't trust Corey Kluber. The Braves' offense has been pretty bad as of late. It's it got another big blow on 
Sunday when they lost Ronald Acuna Jr. I don't think he's going to play in this game. He might. He hasn't been put on the IL, so it's a possibility. But probably not going to play in this game. But right now, Corey Kluber, 5'11 Woba to right-handed batters. So if you want to take a chance, I mean, obviously Freddie Freeman is someone you're going to put into most Brave stacks, but Marcelo Zuna's been heating up a little bit at the dish the last couple of days. He's 4'8". Travis Darno is 4'2". Dansby Swanson is 3'9". Uh, one guy that's kind of interesting with these games taking place in New York, Pablo Sandoval, the, the pinch hit home run king, uh, had been DHing or DH'd in Tuesday's game, hit sixth in that lineup. He's $2,200. We know he has power. Uh, great hitters park at Yankee Stadium. If that happens again, you know, I, I could take a flyer on Pablo Sandoval. I wouldn't be above that. Um, the other team I really wanted to focus in on, though, uh, the Reds. We talked about Maley, uh being in a nice spot. A lot of people are going to be gravitating towards him. Another reason to like Maley is I think the Reds are going to score a lot of runs on Wednesday. They're going up against Merrill Kelly. Right now among qualified pitchers, Merrill Kelly's expected WOBA of 450 is the eighth highest mark in baseball. He's been getting absolutely obliterated through his first three starts of the season. And the Reds' offense isn't at 100% right now. Um, it's going to be the second game of his two-game suspension for Nick Castellanos, so he's not going to be available. They just put Mike Moustakis on the IL on Tuesday. So you're going to get the B-minus version of the Reds, the C-plus version of the Reds, but that at least opens up some possible value because it's an expensive team. Uh, there are some names on here. like You wouldn't expect Tyler Naquin, even with his great start, to be $5,100. He's expensive, so... You're not going to get a ton of, like, bargain value with this stack. But, like, you know, Jesse Winker's 4-5. Joey Votto's 4-5. Nick Senzel hit fifth on Tuesday. He's just $3,500. So you can find value to go along with the Eugenio Suarez's and the Tyler Naquins and the Joey Votto's of the world with the Reds. And right now, Merrill Kelly is just really struggling. So that is a team I want to attack uh, and I think the Reds are just going to score some runs. All right, before we get out of here, let's talk about some best bets. And for the best bets, we're going to focus on the afternoon slate because there are two spots I really, really like. Uh, let's start with Oakland's money line. As of recording this, the Athletics are leading the Twins. Uh, so it's possible they've won their 10th straight game. It's also possible they lost a 7th inning, inning game to Jose Barrios. So really, I don't care about the outcome of that too, too much. But for the purpose of this Let's just kind of like suspend animation for game two on Tuesday. I don't know why Oakland is a home dog. <laughs> They've won nine games in a row, possibly 10. And Frankie Montas, he got roughed up in his first start of the season against the Dodgers. I think you can forgive anyone. That was a fully healthy Dodgers team at that time too. Montas's last two starts, 12 innings pits, just one earned run, 12 strikeouts in that span of time. Also, we've got Jay Happ pitching for the Twins. Oakland is a team designed to crush left-handed pitching. Right now, they have a 127 WRC plus against lefties. Uh, that's been pretty consistent throughout the last couple seasons. They've always hit left-handed pitching well. Montas is just a better pitcher than Jay Happ. Right now, Oakland is a better team than the Twins. Again, I'm, I'm just not sure why you're getting them at plus money on the money line when they are at home currently riding a massive win streak. So I'm sure I'll be the jinx that ends that win streak, but I am going to take Oakland. I trust Frankie Montas. Another situation where a guy's numbers are a little inflated, despite the fact he's been pitching much better since opening day, that is Max Scherzer. 
and the Washington Nationals, the Nationals' money line is it's not exactly the most enticing bet in the world. They're heavily favored to win this game over the Cardinals on Wednesday. However, if you want to bet Washington to score first and win the game, that is plus 145, and that is something I am very interested in because I don't think St. Louis is going to score a lot of runs, early especially, because Max Scherzer has been incredible since the first three innings of the season where he gave up three home runs. Since that point in time, he has pitched 16 innings, he's allowed one earned run, and struck out 19 opponents in that span of time. So Max Scherzer has basically gone back to being Max Scherzer as soon as he shook off the rust a little bit back on opening day. So that's half the equation right there. I think Scherzer, you always just want to bet the Nationals to win when Scherzer is pitching. I know there's no Juan Soto. He went on the IL on Tuesday as well, so that's somewhat concerning when it comes to their offensive potential. But Carlos Martinez has been really bad so far this season. And he was really bad last season, too. So it, it might be time to just say Carlos Martinez is not the pitcher he once was. And so far this season, 11.8% barrels per plate appearance. That is the fourth highest qualified mark in all of baseball. Opponents are squaring this guy up. They're scoring runs off him. And that is a bad combination for the Cardinals when you are going up against Max Scherzer. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Baseball Picks and Bets presented by Prize Picks on the Mayo Media Network. Once again, that promo code if you want to sign up to Prize Picks is MMNMLB. I want to thank you guys so much for watching this episode of the show, and we will catch you again next time.